This icon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the VBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Sergeant at arms, can you please come in? Hello and welcome to your weekly dose of political shenanigans with us here at the Sunday Times Politics Desk. This is Sunday Times Politics Weekly with me, Amil Amro. I'm joined in the studio this week by my colleagues, Kwanita Hunter and Apiwe de Klerk. Guys, thank you so much for joining me in studio and thank you all for listening in. Um, we have a jam-packed show for you this week with a special guest phoning in to answer some of our questions. So let's get straight into it. On the line, we have a very brave man who's agreed to be bombarded by our questions <laughs> and provide clarity on the ongoings within the DA. Um, it's the party spokesperson, um, Soli Malazzi. He's going to be answering questions around the party's federal council election this weekend in Johannesburg. Now, at the meeting, Musi Maimani's leadership of the party is set to be a point of discussion when a review of the DA's structures and processes is tabled. Now, also, the party will have to elect a new federal council chairperson, a position that's currently held by James Self. And he's been holding that position for almost two decades. Now, the position is being contested strongly by DA heavyweights like Helen Ziller, Ethel Trollope, Mike Waters, and Thomas Walters. Mr. Bolotti, thank you so much for joining us. Are you well, sir? I'm very well. Greetings to all of you. Yeah, greetings, greetings. Thank you so much. Now, Mr. Malati, the DA is in the midst of a bit of a factional battle here. Are you guys worried at all about the fallout that this meeting could have on this weekend? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think if you were to honestly reflect on the events that have been taking place in the organization over the last five weeks or since the election, it is a sense of worry because while it is understandable that um, people might have specific interest in terms of the direction of the party along factional lines. At the end of the day, um, when those differences are not resolved within the internal structures of the organization, they risk the likelihood of impacting on very long-lasting um, damage to the organization. Look, um, do you think... Um, uh, an, a leadership contest uh, outside of, uh, say, an early Congress would be the best solution for the party because, I mean, you just came back from a, a, a elective congress as a party. Yes, the elections were a factor, but seemingly the challenge is on the leadership or, or rather the leader of the party. Do you think an early congress would be the, the main solution for you instead of these proxy battles uh, that are currently playing themselves out now? Ideally, it, 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 it wouldn't. Ideally, you wouldn't want to start a separation a culture where you start having any congresses every time there is a big debate ensuing in the organization. But that decision is ultimately the decision that um, the party membership needs to take. Um, it is not you know, my opinion of whether it would be right or wrong, useful or not, is meaningless in the space where the decision ultimately lies with the membership of the organization. But the key fundamental thing is Instances like an early Congress have far-reaching implications for the organization. Congresses cost a lot of money. Congresses require a lot of time to put the logistics in place in terms of verifying the credentials of 
those delegates that will need to attend it. So there is a lot of work that goes into putting together a Congress. It also has an impact on the incumbent of provincial leadership across the party. So while um, there may be a solution in the midst of a very unusual phase in the organization, um, Congresses have far more reaching implications. But the best way to always take the key decision about taking the party forward on a particular route is to take that decision to the general membership of the party who would be best represented during a Congress rather than a federal council. I mean, I just wanted to ask you, the the ANC often talks about something called sins of incumbency where the you know the bigger it got uh the the bigger the problems um and i'm 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 wondering if if the da is having its own sense of incumbency moment and whether the growth of the da is probably the downfall of the da i mean there is a fair argument to be to be made there the reality of the situation is that growth comes with its own better we have noticed that you know, we, we have been stressed in terms of taking new roles in the coalition government, and both existing coalition governments have come with, you know, difficult political um, situations for, for the organization. So, at any given time, growth comes with its own burden. And in all honesty, I think we are also experiencing, we are also experiencing that. Um, um, what is the consequence for the South African voter? I mean, you really have to appreciate that this now has a consequence for the South African voter uh, because the same problems that the ANC is seeing, seeing the DA is seeing. Look, I mean, it's, it's a very difficult question to, to, to respond, especially because I'm conflicted um, by you know, the issue of being part of the party's leadership. But I think ultimately voters prefer stability um, in, in organizations and they prefer to have a very stable, politically stable alternative. And in all fairness, the DA has built its brand over the years on our ability to manage internal differences very well, um, on our ability to overcome difficult phases in the organization without leaders tearing each other apart in the media spectacles that have been taking place in the last few weeks. So when such instances occur, and voters remain in doubt about whether there are really credible alternatives, and I think it is something that um, the leadership of the party is, is realizing, and it is a firm reminder to all of us that are involved at different levels of leading this organization that you know, first and foremost, we should be mindful of what we say says to the voter. And in all honesty, I also don't think that all hope is lost. You know, we, we have an opportunity um, to um, regroup um, because if we get into a phase of perpetual conflict, um, we will ultimately leave everything that we have spent the last 10 years building this organization um, to be. So I think on that front, there's an acknowledgement by all different leaders of the organization that we need to get to a place where ultimately these differences that are existing now as a result primarily of, um, of our election performance that 
we must lead this organization and there is that recognition and we are hoping that the federal council over this weekend in response to the review will chart that path forward for the party so that we can rededicate all our energies and resources towards interacting with the voters and restoring some of the confidence that um, some of the voters have lost in the organization as evidenced in the election mm. performance and the subsequent by elections in some areas. Look, um, when all of these things were playing themselves out in the media, <clears throat> especially the stories that had been written about the leader and so on, there came in a voice that uh, uh, was sort of saying, um, look, this thing is about race. Um, there have been a number of uh, your leaders who have made uh, uh, reference to race uh, when they were making their arguments, I mean, in <clears throat> in uh, opinion pieces publicly. So do you guys have a race problem or is it an ideological problem? Or, or, I mean, I, I want you to break it down for our listener. Is, is this thing of a race problem uh, being uh, um, exaggerated or are you really seriously uh, dealing with a, a racial issue? I mean, the two leaders who have spoken are quite senior uh, in, their, in their columns who have made reference to race. Uh, that is both the mayor of the city of Johannesburg and the leader of uh, the party here in Gauteng. The, the any current debate that is going on in the organization. They look at a simplistic view that if Hamad Mashaba is speaking about the uh, uh, redress debate in the organization, what gets focused on a lot is you know his race, other than the content. The debate that is currently going on in the organization is how do we reframe our redress policies in such a way that it recognizes the fact that there was a systematic exclusion of opportunities for people on the basis of race while developing an empowerment policy that does not seem to reproduce some form of racial discrimination. And all the other issues that that issue in terms of who are the people that are contesting leadership at different levels of the organization, be it in the metro in Cape Town, or the housing provincial leadership contest whenever they, they uh, get led within that space. So it's more about the consultation about taking the organization in the direction that many South Africans across race, across culture, across tradition can be comfortable identifying with rather than being an organization that facing uh, minorities is much more comfortable associating with at the exclusion of others. Wait, four years ago, there was a there was a, a, a discussion about black leaders being appointed as proxies. When you see the drama and the fights and the issue, you know, the stepping in of the Institute for Race Relations, etc., and some of the public pronouncements. I mean, were you wrong in, in, in denying at the time that perhaps some leaders were promoted even subtly or, you know, as proxies for, for, for other white people of the party? Well, you can argue for both sides. And I can understand why, you know, a lot of people would, would argue in that day. Um, when, when you look extensively in terms of the acceleration of different leaders, in, in, in the organization, either to senior leadership or to very key political, professional political appointments, 
was to try and maximize the debt at the organization because what was happening was that the organization was growing at a rapid pace, hmm. but the debt of leadership in the organization wasn't responding uh, positively to that growth. So therefore, it demanded that there be a, in, in exceptional instances where there is um, what you refer to promotion of other mm. individuals to occupy certain strategic um, positions in the organization. But I think at any given um, time, you know, the decisions that an organization takes four years ago based on leadership challenges that it has at the time, um, based on the political landscape, it's different to what, what would happen right now. But and you can you admit... That, uh, if you compare the depth of leadership that the party has now um, to five years ago, it has made advances um, in certain areas. But of course, I mean, every, in any field of life, in politics, in business, every decision has its pros and cons. And when you get to a place where in a lifespan of a political organization, um, there isn't growth anymore and there is heated political discussion about certain leaders allegedly to um, incumbents, then those arguments naturally will come to the fore. And hindsight is always the best, you know, indicator of how certain um, how certain details could have been handled. But I don't think the the anticipation was such that through the promotion of um, certain individuals to occupy strategic positions in the organization because that is what the party needed at the time. Their intention was to make people problems of other individuals. Mm. Mr. Malati, good luck for this weekend. Um, yeah, and maybe, thanks again. Next time you must join us in the studio. Oh, of you course. To grill him properly. This thing <laughs> on the phone is not giving us a proper chance. Well, we're going to take a very short break. And when we get back into it, we're going to be talking about Kwanita's weekend story about some big developments or some big battles within the state security agency. Join us then. <laughs> Racial identity politics, a phrase that has the potential to start an argument in just about any situation. That's why we're starting it first. Let's Start an Argument is a unique and insightful podcast series about the meaning of race to us today. Presented by researcher Cecilia Koch and Doctor of Philosophy Jason Werbeloff, the series aims to spark rational argument and meaningful discussion around this controversial topic. Find Let's Start an Argument now on the Cliff Central app, cliffcentral.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Now, Kornita, you wrote an interesting story in the Sunday Times this past weekend. It says that the state security minister, Ayanda Jodlo, uh, has fallen out with two of her top spies. Now, one of them is Sam Wolfe, uh, who is in charge of the domestic spying branch. Now, the cause of the fallout, as you reported, is said to have been over the intelligence agency's failure to anticipate xenophobic violence that erupted in Kalteng last month. And we all know how that turned out. Mm. Um, tell us more about that story. So I like to like start right at the bottom. Right? <laughs> so just indulge me a little bit, right? But um, <clears throat> so we do know that the intelligence agency in South Africa has been a mess. Mm. 
Um, th- when Ramaphosa came in, he identified this. He then decided to set up a panel, a high panel, uh, led by former minister Sidney Mofamadi, yeah. where they did a review and they came up with a report. And somewhat that report, the redacted version at least, was scathing. Um, in terms of how money was looted, how the organization was used for political agenda, and that's the agenda of Jacob Zuma, uh, and how a sort of separate intelligence agency was set up to mm. serve Zuma in the form of the Special um, Operations Unit, the SO. So a lot was said, and and last year, Ramaphosa appointed uh, Dipur Latsasi Duba, um, who was one of his main supporters in the CR17 campaign, and then she was then removed at this uh, after the elections, and Ayanda Lord Law was appointed. But one of the main recommendations that was made by the panel was that the intelligence agency revert back to the structure it initially was, where you have um, the Secret Service that deals with in- foreign intelligence, and you have NIA, which is a national yeah. intelligence agency that deals with domestic. So, in a, so bef- what happened was it was merged under Zuma, where intelligence and foreign was foreign um, was just state security agency with one director general, right? So, what happened was in the so so Ayanna Dolo comes in, and uh, there is this kind of uncertainty. There's a whole lot of issues with, in terms of you know money being stolen and a whole like the the, the mm. endless problems, right? But and and also just the inability of the intelligence agency to to do its job mm. is also something that has been persisting. And she comes in and and some months later in August, Ramaphosa announces that he that he is appointed. Advocate uh, Sam Wafe as um, the head of the domestic uh, branch. Even Ramaphosa are close, aren't they? Right now, you will remember his background from the state from the state capture commission mm. where he came and testified, etc. But he's Ramaphosa's childhood friend. They grew up together in Soweto. He was an integral part of the mm. CR17 campaign, and I'm quite surprised that even myself, we didn't write at the time that Ramaphosa effectively appointed his buddy mm. to head the intelligence agency, and his only experience was like a three-month gig as at as legal advisor to mm. the former minister of intelligence. He has no intelligence expertise yeah. before that. He used to work, you know, as advisor to a minister before that at the SIO, after that at the SIU as in the governance unit. So, 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 so that, that's where it starts, yeah. right? The second thing is that there is this atmosphere in the NP, in, in the state security agency that's, I investigate you, you investigate me, mm. I suspect you, you suspect of me, course. which is, and we get involved in political dynamics. We, I'm for the minister, I'm for the president, mm. I have a, you know, that kind of thing. But the reality of it is exactly what Zuma did in 2009, where he fetched, uh, 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 Lomo, what is his name? Um, what is Lomo's name? It'll come to me now. But <laughs> the the guy who was then sent as an ambassador to Japan. From he was an ordinary person in security in the office of of the MEC in KZN, and then he was promoted to the state security agency. That's exactly what mm-hmm. Ramaphosa did, and we don't call him out for that. Now there's this fallout, and the fallout is a myriad of things. So it start it stems from. The president, if you read our story, the president expressing his concern when the violence started to, to the minister and saying, you're not 
what is mm. the state of the intelligence agency? And when she then conveys this message and then she writes a letter mm. to Moafe where she says, give me reasons why I shouldn't suspend you because the guy, the taxi driver was killed in Pretoria. Yeah. There was retaliation. There was violence against foreign nationals and there's zero intelligence mm. and when intelligence does come it's shoddy and it comes late mm. and then that just spiraled because at a subsequent strategic planning meeting the minister is said to have made an illegal instruction to intercept the phone uh, of a of a kingpin of this of this um, mm. violence a man who was said to have been um, um, Organizing raids in the Fordsburg area, and so this is without a court order. Court no, so 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 the, was so, it illegal? Wait, so I'll tell you why. It's, so she said we need to intercept this guy's mm. communication, and they said we can't get a judge. And she said, "Well, if you can't get a judge, just do it anyway." Yeah, right. So some people were saying this is an illegal order. Um, her defenders have have said that she believed that the constitution trumps. The, that law in the sense that right to life is more important than than this person. But I mean, there's a whole yeah. argument that, that, that mm. can happen as a result of that. They obviously complain to the president um, and effectively there's a push now to have the minister fired, right? So there's this, there's this on one hand, the minister, you know, saying I've not been getting proper intelligence from you guys. Mm. So this is Sam Warfare and the acting DG uh, Louisa Jafter. And on the other hand, they were they telling the president, oh, actually, she's giving us illegal instructions. Now, this is factionalism at its core. Mm. The reality of it is that President Ramaphosa's hands are not clean in this because mm. he has enabled Moafe to run state security as if he doesn't need mm. um, any oversight. And he has a direct line to the president. So he's it's almost as if he is, um, you know, protected, mm. right? But the other hand, did the minister give an ins illegal instruction? That's a huge deal. Yeah. So, so these issues are not going to fix itself. And what's going to happen now is that if you see with the leaks, it's going to be selective leaking of this, selective leaking mm. of that, selective leaking of that, as they fight each other. And the reality of it is that the 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 stability and the security of our state is in the hands of people who are literally fighting for their jobs. Mm. Um, Kanita, um, my first question when I when I read the the the, the one story uh, from uh, the, don't say the name the, the other guys there <laughs> <laughs> and, opposition uh, yeah and then yours was that is this a good fight to be had have, have, have is it a good fight to be had for us as the as, as the citizens because these guys have been found wanting whether or not she gave an illegal instruction hmm. that we ought to to discuss but you know at a level of of or at a political level mm. but at, at at a level where you are saying but in the capital city uh, of south africa mm. there's just violence and there's no intelligence to inform mm. uh in 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 city of johannesburg city of johannesburg is one of the most important cities in africa and then there's no intelligence so is this discussion going to allow us to benefit as, as 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 the country because these people are being found out every time. People have been having these discussions about them, but at the time it was just said, "Oh, uh, Zuma has crippled mm. the, uh, uh, the 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 institutions." But then now, in in a process where we are saying it, we are reforming, we are rebuilding, mm. 
still we are having these things. So is, is, is this going to be a good discussion that is going to benefit us, do you think? So I think it's important that we're writing about it. If, I don't know if that answers your question because it's creating an awareness that even with this new dawn phenomenon, the mm. same the, that they are actually fighting each other now. These are not mm. Zuma people. This yeah, is a, yeah, yeah. a Ramaphosa-appointed minister and a Ramaphosa-appointed uh, uh, head of domestic branch that are now fighting each other. So, so the, the the politics of CR and Zuma are not painting are no longer, this one. No, it's this, about the this is personalities, this is power, this is money, right? Mm. And and the reality of it is that the State Security Agency has acted with so much of impunity. They have a black budget. We don't know how much money they have. They deal with cash, meaning there's no oversight, right? Mm. So on one hand, you can have the minister saying this or the minister's supporters saying that this is an effort to derail her from putting mechanisms in place because of the years and years of impunity. Mm. On the other hand, it's, oh, this minister wants to interfere in our operations of the of the agency. But what operations when you are not giving intelligence? Mm. So there's that kind of double-edged sword, right? Mm. But for me, what's important, and it was rather towards the end of the story, my, my story, not that one that one you read. <laughs> we <laughs> was, read all stories. <laughs> was, was, was the the state of the organization can be seen um, through the number of vacancies, right? I'll give you some examples. You'll, you'll cry with me. There are eight DDGs, so eight people who earn, how much do DDGs earn? In the one point something, yeah, right? Probably, and probably even yeah. more because it's intelligence, right? However, there are only seven positions. So there's eight DDGs mm -hmm. and there are seven positions. But of the eight DDGs, only two are in positions, the rest, so the six, mm. come to work and don't get and do nothing. What? Well, I'm not really surprised to be honest. Right? This these is, are these are DDGs. Right? These, these are these, these are not officials. Right? Yeah. It gets worse. So meaning there are six people that come to work, get paid, and do nothing, and the rest of the positions, the um, of the seven positions, five positions, there's acting people there, and obviously those acting people get allowances because mm. they're it's, acting. It's Hollywood. Out there. No, no, it's Hollywood. <laughs> right? Now, if you look at general managers, right, there are 37 general managers for 34 positions, but there are 24 vacancies. What? Meaning 11 people are unplaced and 12 people are displaced, meaning that 22 people come to work and for nothing. On managers, there are 44 vacancies and 48 of the 91 positions, 48 people are acting. Wow. So it's Terrific. a mess. And yeah. the reality of it is that now it's... It's hard for the public. Who do you believe? Do you believe the minister? Do you believe the people of intelligence? My thing is so simple. As Ramaphosa now has to intervene because they've written to him, the minister has to repeat, is what, number one. Sort out your vacancy issues. Yeah. Send people back to their post and get people permanent. Mm. That's number one. And the right people. Permanent. And the right people permanent. Number two, we as the public must not forget that it is Ramaphosa's buddy. He appointed his buddy to a senior position just like Jacob Zuma did, mm. and just like how Jacob Zuma did it, this organization can be further planted because there's a man, maybe Ramaphosa is not acting with impunity, mm. but the person that he has appointed and given all this power to can act with impunity. And 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 in in situations like that, so long as the people that report to him or the people that work with him know that this guy has, has a direct line with number one president. Mm. They will follow even when is is doing mm. the wrong. Yes. That's what we've learned from the Zuma era. Exactly. Number and then the last thing is overhauling intelligence 
has to happen subsequent to fixing the organization the the stories that you will hear about the archaic ways of following journalists and tapping journalists calls and tapping politicians and finding out what Ace Mahashule is doing and not worrying about real threats to society and not getting up to the times where they're so obsessed with i need a grabber we need to you know that kind of and and mm-hmm. that's the consequence of intelligence agency was at, at the disposal of jacob zuma now's the time to modernize it yeah. to 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 take it up to a level where it's actively contributing to your crime problem in south africa that it's actively contributing to your service delivery mm-hmm. violence pr- uh, protest problem in south africa where it is preempting um failures at mm-hmm. state owned entities and so that is what a professionalized state security agency is we may think that these are people fighting from the farm there in Dalmas and mm. the and the head offices in Mendlin no this affects every one of us cuz mm. they can be a threat to the security of this nation and our intelligence agencies are fighting who's be- a better minister oh well, I guess Kwanita will tell us all about that <laughs> and all the horror yeah. stories. I wish I one day we have, good a, we, 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 have a, we have another one for for next Sunday, ne? Huh? This coming Sunday, we have another one for, I, from that fight. No, 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 uh, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, guys, I can't be in the fighting squad every week. <laughs> but anyway, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for joining me in studio, guys, and thank you so much for everyone who's listening in. Remember, if you want to advertise on this podcast, you can email smith s at tisoblackstar.co.za that's s-m-i-t-h-s at t-i-s-o-b-l-a-c-k-s-t-a-r dot co dot today have a good one catch you next week